Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So... You can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Hey, Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas, and make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0, full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by their revolutionary third-generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which has advanced skin-safe technology and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. The Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped high-performance anti-chafing boxers, easily the comfiest boxers I've ever had. And right now, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CAMPFIRE at manscaped.com. Now let's get to the show. Come on, kids, now gather round. Grab along and sit right down. What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground. It's the campfire shit show. And now, your camp counselors, Bo Hufford and Meryl Klimo. Uh, how are your chakras? <laughs> mine, mine are fine. How are yours? Me too. Name one of your chakras that you have. Uh, I don't even know. Okay. I don't know. Ugh, that what, is what, such t- your sacral chakra God, speaking. That, my chakra is like, I don't know. How's uh, your solar plexus? It, you know, it, it probably needs to be realigned. Okay. How's your yeah. pineal gland? Seems to be blocked. Yeah. I, I, yeah. No, no, no. Your third eye is definitely more open than most. You think so? Yeah, you have a great third eye. Thanks. Yeah, I mean it. Because you're able to see through the bullshit of a lot do of stuff. Do you believe in levels? Like 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 when you die, where do you go? Where do you um, go? I think when we die it's just lights out. Like I think just lights like out. before I knew I existed. <laughs> so, <I> mean, <laughs> yes, we may be- want to say be- this for another episode. <laughs> before but, you knew you yeah, existed. Introing today's guest, um I think like it's almost like before I knew I existed, it was nothing, and so I think it will continue to just be like nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Like I think it will be like I existed. You were for a nothing, short and then you were something, yeah. and now you're nothing again. Like I didn't know I didn't exist, and then I won't know down the road that I don't so exist. So that again. really brings up a question about like what is a soul, right? Mm-hmm. Like what what is it that makes us us? Because like what you're saying is you can live an entire life, and then when you die, everything that you 
everything you learned, all of that stuff there that makes you you just goes. Night, just night. goes I believe I actually don't believe in reincarnation. Oh. When people are like, oh, "This hummingbird is my grandpa," I actually I don't. Well, because I don't true. understand the universe completely, mm-hmm. and I never will. I wonder if maybe we are on a level system where maybe I'm on level seven and someone I know is on level two or level mm-hmm. three. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm sort of uh, I've, I've gone through this a couple of times or I, I, I'm sort of huh. on the next level. And, and we're all it's just a big game. That almost seems like something I would think, but I don't think that way. Huh. I just think we're all here for like our little brief shot and we're like a little ring of things. And then when it's done, lights out. Well, then, God, like, go live it. Right. I am. Go live this it. This is my living. Then why are we episode. even trying to be in a relationship with anyone? Just go I mean, and enjoy every moment that you have. Because you think of like if two leopards, if you saw like a leopard out in the wild that was yeah. like being sad over one leopard, you're like, no, just go do it. Just go, be go, a go get another leopard. Yeah. Yeah. Just have a fun podcast guest on. I, I, <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this week, I'm really excited to introduce to you my friend, Mike Becker, who just happens to be, uh, well, he coins himself the uh, COF, which is the chairman of fun, but he really was an is a main part of the company Funko, which makes those pop yes, figures, that's right? That's like a famous company. I mean, you've seen them everywhere. It's F-U-N-K-O, Funko. Yep. And they have a huge following, and a lot of people collect these things. If you don't know what they are, just Google Funko, and as soon as you do, you'll be like, I know what they are. I know who they are. You I definitely know, know what these are. Yeah, I definitely know. And I know from you visiting one time the Funko offices, which seems like the coolest place that I could ever imagine mm. in my entire life. It seems even better than Disney. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I it is really cool. I mean, they are creating a lot of cool stuff. They're dealing with great licenses. And I've known Mike for a couple of years. I've done a lot of work for him. And I'm really excited to share with the, the fact that I'm recently worked on a new project with mm. him that he's going to discuss. Mm. And I'll talk about that at the end of the show. So sneaky. Uh, but let's not waste any time. Okay. Let's just get into the sleeping bag with our good friend, Mike Becker. <laughs> I was always told I was going to be stupid and I was never going to amount to anything and that I couldn't read so good. Did they say it like that? No, I really couldn't. Really? I've probably read two books in my entire life. What were they? Was one of them Playboy? (laughs) I mean, technically that's a magazine, but I just imagine that's something that you read. Maybe I didn't read those two books. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Were you dyslexic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you are you dyslexic? Are really bad. You oh, didn't I know didn't that? know that. I've heard of a lot of dyslexic people doing poorly in school because they just didn't know at that time. Yeah, that's that. You, that was me. Yeah, they, uh, they were talking about me. Hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. I know so many people in my life that are dyslexic and really? are like super effective in their their own craft. Are we on? Yeah. Oh, we're on. Can I get another drink? <laughs> are you kidding me? Is that real? Do you really want one? Another yeah, one? before we start. Okay, hold okay, on. Okay, we've already started. We'll you guys have a, a light conversation. Don't talk about anything serious. Okay. A band that I was in in Spokane. We were in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Let's start there. Let's just start there. Were you? A, it was it a ska band? <laughs> we were a new wave band, which was really weird at the time, because you got to remember that's uh, Eastern. That's Eastern Washington. Uh huh. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and we would play Eastern Washington, Coeur d'Alene, all Idaho, like Osborne, Idaho. I remember we almost got the, the shit kicked out of us. We were playing in some shitty little club, Osborne, Idaho, and this whole softball team oh came gosh. in. Softball. And, and we're like 
we look like, you know, somewhere between missing persons meets Duran Duran. Yeah. And so like, and you know, Osborne, <laughs> Idaho, 1982. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, play some ZZ Top. <laughs> and we're going, we don't know any ZZ Top. Well, Get you, that. Be- you better <laughs> learn some. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, we're not going to make it out of here. It was, it was really that bad. Really? Yeah. Did, Did you guys do covers? We did we did covers and originals. This was early on, yeah. Did you think you were going to mu- be a musician? I was. I mean... I was on MTV, asshole. You oh. were? <laughs> did Kurt Loder introduce you? No, Martha Quinn and Frank fucking Zappa. Oh. No. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yep. Was it like a spring break? No, it was MTV basement tapes. Really? Oh, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, 1983 or 84, somewhere in there. Wow. One of my favorites ever was meeting Matt Pinfield. Oh, because gosh. like I mean, we're a, he's like Matt Pinfield. Yeah, he's like a, a for real legend. I feel like that was back when we really did seek out like the the intelligence of other people for our music. Yeah, I love the Talking Heads, Mike. I feel like you'd be a member of the Talking Heads with your like hair all floofy and stuff. Yeah, flock of seagulls. Yeah, yeah. I was boingo, a boingo. Yeah. Well, you know that. Don't fuck with them. They, they're, they're very underrated. They, they were are. incredible musical They geniuses. are. You're you right. Think, you don't think the Elfmans are rated? Yeah. I, well, they're, he is. Yeah, I was going to say. Wasn't yeah. uh, Mark Mothersbaugh in Oingo Boingo? That's Devo. Oh, Devo. Oh, I like that. Who's too. in Oingo Boingo? There's somebody. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Okay, okay, okay. And then he did his first soundtrack was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting. I think a lot of people don't know this, uh, that you started in music, and you were actually pretty popular like you said you were on mtv what was your band name true to life oh yeah. the band that was on mtv was called the release oh, oh really like yeah when you say true to life is there the number two in it yeah i knew it that sounds like a salt and pepper yeah kind of it, band. it like, almost sounds like you came out in the 90s and you were wearing cross colors that was 1984 wow and our lead singer was don gilmore and he went on to produce a lot of famous bands like Linkin Park. Cool. Really? Yeah. Have wow. That's cool. A lot of Avril Lavigne, um, Lit, Eve oh, Six. Oh, really? I love all those bands. He did a lot of that. And that was your drummer? No, that was our singer. Oh, that was your singer. And to this day, I probably consider him one of my best friends, if not my absolute best friend, besides you, Bo. Of course. Oh, of course. Of course. Okay. Tell all the people at home that don't have a clue about Funko. Okay, yeah, tell us what Funko is. Yeah. Because, I mean, your role is what? Right now? Yes. Mm-hmm. My role, I'm technically, is I'm a VP at Funko. Okay. The vice president? Yeah, of various things. But I you started the company. Started the company in 1998 with a couple of buddies. Yeah. Um, kind of, it was, you know, it's like any business. You don't know what the hell you're doing, and... But you, when you start things out of love, you know the love will get you through some of the yeah. shitty times. So what? How did the company start? Like, what was your first product? What did you decide? Because Funko has changed a lot over the years, and I think what people would understand now is like they see the pop dolls or the pop toys or pop figures. <laughs> literally, oh no, are we changing their identity? No, no, literally everywhere <laughs> in the world. Like you go into Seven yeah. Eleven or a gas station, you see a pop figure, right? So how did it start? Well. It started really, I don't think it's changed that much really myself, and I'll tell you why. I think Funko still evokes a feeling. It's not even about, I think, the, the characters, the license, the, the, the format, the 
form factor, that's all secondary to a feeling. Funko's been really great since day one at evoking a feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you can attach a feeling to a product, you know, you've got it. And so that can't be really manufactured. So all of us back in the day, we felt we were into what we were doing. Like we started with one little bobblehead doll, which was Big Boy. Yeah, the, from the restaurant. Yeah, and most people thought, who the hell is this? Like from a restaurant chain that's been, you know, done and gone for years. Right. But I kind of didn't care, you know, and I knew there were still some big boys left. And I just thought, well, I want to do it. Yeah. I don't really care. I'm going to do it. I want to do it. And, you know, a lot of people say that and shit doesn't work out. But this sure. actually worked out to at least the level I wanted it to, which was to sell my garage full of big boys and get them out the door. And so I yeah. can make more stuff. And this was bobbleheads when bobbleheads really hadn't been made in many, many years. That's right. So that that was another thing that was kind of uh, unique at the time. I just try to I loved retro. I loved Junkin. I loved swap meets. I loved garage sales, anything I called Junkin. And one of the things I used to always try to collect was um, bobbleheads, but they were always made out of paper mache. So they always cracked up, beat oh, up. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. And mm. uh, or chalk. And they were always really. Yeah. So I thought, hey, you know, I've been going to China while I was working for another company a lot, and I thought, well, I, c I bet you I could make a mold for for the price I'm paying for a couple of these damn things, you yeah. know? And so that was kind of the case, and I knew a little bit, had a little back background in licensing, and so got a few licenses, a few other people in the industry that just believed in what we were doing, and started trying to make, you know, you have to have all those P's that have to line up, the price, the package, the placement, yeah, the presentation, you know? Gosh, wow. I should write a book. So many peas. All those peas. Yeah, In fact, I just, I think I actually have to pee. You just, uh, you just, you just peed yourself, I <laughs> yeah. think. Yeah. Mike Becker's peepees. <laughs> <laughs> and then because Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, you were a toy collector first. Yeah, of course. I'm still a toy collector. So you still are. I actually, I would say that Mike, uh, knowing his many collections that have evolved over the years, because you're one of those guys that will buy a collection, start really like putting it together, and then get to a point where you go, yeah, I think I'm done with this. And then kind of like shove it off and sell it and then start a new collection. And I would say you have for sure the most, I don't know, expansive collection I've ever seen anyone have. I go into your place and I think we have similar tastes in what we like. And you have a lot of Japanese inspired or mm -hmm. Japanese toys, things like that. I know that you collected tiki mugs for a while, yeah. but then you sold all those. You had these like the old Halloween masks. You had a shit ton of those and you sold all those off. <clears throat> so... How did you, why did you start collecting toys? What was the thing? Again, I think it's for the feeling. I think the feelings that you got when you were a kid mm. or you, it may revolve around like me and my dad making model kits together. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, or me and, you know, my friends going out on Halloween night, you know, there was a couple of big decisions you had to make as a kid. At least it was like what lunch pail you were going to get yeah. at the start of school and what, what were you going to be for Halloween? Yeah. And so to this day, I, I kind of always gravitate towards, you know, monster stuff, yeah. you know, fun 60s, 70s stuff. What was your I mean, speaking of Halloween, what was the Halloween costume that you felt like the most jazzed about? Like, what was the one you're like, oh, I got to have that. Dick Dastardly from, Dick, oh, from Wacky Racers. Oh, really? Yeah, that's an easy question. Really? With the little thin mustache? Yeah. Oh, I can right. picture that. And he has a Muttley. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Funko hasn't made costumes, though, have they? That seems like something they should do. Yeah, I know, but 
you know, when you start getting into making stuff for kids, yeah. there's a whole nother level of, yeah, um, that's true because like Funko now, I mean, Funko has and always has been for a collector, right? For someone who wants to like build this collection or like they see that thing that makes them feel good. Like it's whether it's uh, Count Chocula or uh, Sam the Tuna. Is it Sam the Tuna? Charlie. Charlie Tuna. Tuna. <laughs> Why did I say Sam? Is, 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 Pelic- is Sam Wait, the Pelican? Wait, who's Sam? Yo, no. I don't even know. Why did I say that? I don't Who know. is Sam? That makes me feel bad. I know you just judged me. So, <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, you really just looked him up and down. He did. He, he did. Just He's like, him to hell. how dare you say Sam? <laughs> it's Charlie Tuna. <laughs> What's something that you got at a flea market that you think was like a total score? Like, is there anything that you're like, wow, I can't believe I actually got this and got like away with getting? I remember this. one time, I found a Pez regular, which okay. is the kind of Pez that don't have the head on them. They were early on. They looked like uh, almost like big lighters for $2 in a bin. And at the time, that thing was probably worth $80. Mm. Really? A Pez regular Pez. Made, made in Germany. Oh, my God. I forgot really? about Pez, too. Is that where Pez comes from? Germany? Yeah. It, Pez is sh- short for peppermint, which is peathermint or some dang German term like that. But peathermint. Peathermint. I see. So start. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's huh. interesting. Um, that was actually one of the things I really, as an adult, collected more than anything was Pez. Really? Yeah. How many do you think you have? Well, I sold that collection, but of course you did. <laughs> I probably had, you know, a couple hundred. But the world's greatest Pez collection I've ever seen is is our CEO Brian Mariotti. He oh, really? He has an amazing, ridiculous, one of a kind Pez collection. How many do you think he has? Well, it's not just the quantity. He has hundreds, but it's the rarity. He has things that only one exists in the whole world and things like that. So really? it's really something to behold. I mean, this is the crazy thing. Like, you start this company, you're making a bobblehead of Big Boy. How does this pick up to where it is now? Yeah. Because be that, like that's everywhere. a big that's a big jump. Like, how many people are buying? Like, I know I bought a Funko thing or because I had an Austin Powers bobblehead from like whatever 90 something that was you right yeah that was one of the in the top like first 12 things we ever created yeah and so i that i remember i had a friend at new line cinema and i said you know i think this austin powers thing's going to be big and i was really wondering whether or not i should sign this licensing deal for like yeah. 2500 bucks and i think we sold forty thousand. i want to say or Jeez. something like that out of the freaking garage and, you know, like my mom and dad and brother and everybody's like in the garage, like, you know, shipping stuff like like pallets going down the driveway. And so, you know, I always hear these stories, too, and I always like kind of don't believe them, but it really yeah. was that. And, you know, sometimes the more the more darts you throw, the more chances you have to hit a bullseye. Mm. I guess that's because I think if anybody wants any entrepreneurial advice from a guy that had a 1.9 GPA, but, um, (laughs) but, but the thing I found is the more darts you throw, the more chance you have to hit a bullseye. So it's not that you're the smartest guy or, or, or you're, you had the best college background or Ivy league school because I had none of that stuff. But I, I think it's more about just the doing like just the trying and you know, you most likely will fail. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you got to just go, okay, well, that's that one path mm-hmm. that I won't take next time because I know it goes this direction. 
So I, I always found now that anything worth worth doing and worth achieving that you really want, you're going to find three major roadblocks. And you got to learn to welcome those and realize when you see them that you're just getting close. Now you're getting close. So you'll come along and you're, oh, I want to do this thing and I want to start this company or I, I've got this idea. Mm-hmm. And the first roadblock will be like, well, I don't have the money to mm-hmm. such and such. Okay, that you should say, oh, hello, roadblock. Hello. I knew you were coming. So now we're going to figure out how to deal with this money issue. Then roadblock two, it's a little bit taller. And you got to figure every time, how am I going to go around it? How am I going to go under it? How am I going to go over it? Yeah. But you got to welcome it because most people give up on the first roadblock, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then the rest of the people always give up on the third one. But if you can get past that second one, and, and when that third one, that's going to be like a big one. Yeah. And if you can deal with that, then you got to realize, like, you'll say, like, it's either, oh, it's always three things. I don't have the experience. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. Yeah. It's, it's only one of three things, right? Mm-hmm. For anything you ever wanted in life, uh, you know, business-wise. But um, so if you can deal with those roadblocks, and I, I usually use anger. You know, I know it sounds like a weird thing but i get pissed off Hmm. like no way are you stopping me and i get mad and i use that anger to kind of fuel me to kind of try to try to press forward so you you view it like a challenge yeah and you're not going to back down no are are you a competitive person in your regular life (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah he he knows me already yeah i would say on a one to ten i'm like yeah really 17 towards other people (laughs) or like just for what you can do no, I was always brought up that way to be super competitive and always win, you know. You told me a really shocking story about your upbringing. And can I ask you about it? Are you talking about my grandpa? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he uh, he was really competitive. And I remember one time to demonstrate that when I was probably, I don't know, I must have been just old enough to kind of know what was happening, like 10, 11, 12. But I remember he was standing outside and he goes, you always win. And I go, yeah, okay, I understand. He goes, no, you don't. You always win. He's go, you get the competition. And then he started, there was back in the day, you know, this is the 60s. So, mm-hmm. or so he started or se- early 70s and he, you know, those metal trash cans, mm-hmm. they were always metal. Yeah, back yeah, then. yeah. yeah. Yep. He started kicking it. And I'm like freaked out because he's kicking the shit out of this metal trash can in front of me, you know, at like 11 or 12 years old. And he's going, you win, you win. He's kicking it to like, and in, in, in then he's pounding it with his fists, and it's kind of weird because this guy that you think of, yeah, that you kind of respect, like your grandpa, is pounding this thing, and he like ruined the family trash can. <laughs> and, <laughs> I like how it's the family trash can. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of like those are the things that you didn't think that you'd just destroy, and I'm like just standing there, like wow. And he's like, you, when you have him down, you keep kicking and you keep kicking, and that's so intense. And, and, and when you told me that, I was like, you make so much sense to me, like who you are as a person. I've seen you in those moments where someone challenges what you can do. And you're like, oh, don't you even fucking fuck you. And I'm like, wow, it's your grandpa. So mm. so uh, in the beginning of Funko, what were the, the three roadblocks or what were some of the roadblocks that you had that you were like, I'm going to fucking beat this. I've got to beat this uh, challenge like a trash can. <laughs> well, 
it was it's usually the, the the same three i talked about either i don't have the background to know what the hell i'm doing yeah because mm-hmm. you, know, you kind of went into it you didn't have a college degree in business or anything like that <laughs> and so you were just kind of like i want to do this thing i don't know anything that i'm doing i'd never made i never really made anything i didn't know what the hell i was doing i didn't know anything about importing something from china <laughs> that's crazy you me. know or, or then i i got i remember i got my first big order from hot topic and it was like 1500 pieces and i'm like you know jumping around the house but then they sent me a routing guide and i'm like, what the hell's a freaking routing guide yeah and you know me uh, with my 1.9 gpa and my <laughs> dyslexia i'm like going i gotta read this thing that's like a freaking telephone book what was that order for do you remember it was for the big boys oh it was okay so that was all yeah the the to digress a second, the the real kind of cool thing that I thought of was there was this store called Sparky's at Universal Studios Hollywood and uh, Universal City or whatever. And I used to love this freaking store. This guy, that the way he merchandised it, I used to think, God, someday, someway, I'm going to be in this store. I made this decision to myself. And, and, and so I went in there with a case of those big boys. Once I first got them, I said, here you go. And he goes, what are you doing? I go, these should be in your store. And he goes, big boy. He goes, God, these are cool. He goes, but you know, I know there's one big boy left, but people don't really care about this. And I go, trust me, they will. So I convinced him to just take those. And he called me like two or three days later and he's like, they're all gone. Whoa. And it was 48 pieces. So to me, that was like, whoa, we just moved 48 pieces in three days. <laughs> yeah. But at least I kind of felt like, hey, I got something here. So now I was always kind of taught like, okay, now I got to do now is repeat this process, right? And I then I went and made a deal with that guy. I said, hey, we're going to make the Sparky's mascot, but we're going to do a massive window display. And I'm going to give you the Sparky's mascot for just cost. He goes, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And that ended up being our flagship store. And from that point on, every little mom and pop card shop dealer in the world would stop by Sparky's. And then they would call me like literally the next day and go, you know, I'm from Cincinnati, but we were at Universal Studios and we saw your stuff and uh, now we want to buy it. I go, sounds good to me. (laughs) And I... I love the idea, though, that you actually were working out of your garage with your family. Your friends and family were the ones doing everything. That seems wild. We had a we'd have 40 foot containers pull up in this suburban cul-de-sac, if you can imagine. (laughs) And I'd literally run next door and, and and get the neighbors to help. Really? We didn't have a lift gates and, you know, the lift gates and whatever you call it, all the loading docks and all this <laughs> shit was all of us like like loading this stuff but i i remember then we would rent a ride a rider truck and we'd load that stuff up and take it to ups be, just before they would close at the, the actual ups you know center mm-hmm. distribution center me and my dad and my brother we'd offload that stuff and we would be so stinking tired and sweaty and dirty but in a happy way, I'd go to bed almost literally like with a smile on my oh, face. Yeah. And I was so tired and so dirty. But I, and to even take a shower, I thought, you know, screw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'd get right back up, you know, sometimes at 6 a.m. and just do it all again. But, but man, there was, that was just, there was years of that where, where it was so fun and so rewarding and so enjoyable. So you go from Big Boy and a couple other things that are all 
for the most part retro, right? You had this like taste of retro. Am yes, I, you got to remember too that was like that's going on twenty two years ago. Yeah, when retro really wasn't popular, it was cool to see. Now, I mean, I think it's your fault, honestly. But now you see these things everywhere. It's like I can't go anywhere without seeing a you know. Sam the Tuna, just kidding. Charlie <laughs> Tuna on a T-shirt, on a whatever. It's like all these ser- old serial characters. They redid the boxes and things like that. You know that retro feel. I think has a lot to do with the popularity that your company brought back into the mainstream. Yeah, well, part of it was again because of the love, and part of it was just you know because of our budget. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. because I loved everything retro, right? Mm-hmm. So I loved everything from. Sam the Tuna to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm so confused. It's Isn't Charlie. Sam a it's Charlie. Sam is a toucan. But Charlie's Charlie's a toucan. Toucan Sam. Yeah, is, yeah. there is, is a Sam. So you're right. Yeah, Sa- toucan Sam. Okay. But like Snap Crackle and Pop or the Alka oh, Seltzer Speedy Boy oh. or Speedy Alka Seltzer Boy, Ch- Count Chocolate, Frankenberry, Booberry, Lucky Charms, Tricks, anything cereal related. I was all on. I mean, we yeah. did every cereal bobblehead there was. I mean, I loved cereal as a kid. Quisp. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Do you like life cereal? I like that. Why are you saying underrated. that? Because my name's Mike. No. <laughs> oh I yeah. Like, oh Mike. Do you remember the, yeah, the commercial? Yeah, Mikey or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I love. I feel like you life must have been taunted as a kid, huh? Yeah. Mike, you likes it. I think yeah. it's underrated. I think it's so yummy. Cinnamon good. Life is my favorite cereal. Period. Really, regular yeah. life is my favorite cereal. Yeah, get a regular life. <laughs> I think mine is Quisp and Lucky Charms. Oh, Lucky Charms is good. I have the cavities to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) So what is Funko 2 next? It's known for Pops, but probably has 15, 20 different product lines. I mean, Funko is a a real company now, Mm -hmm. like a big, huge, giant, real company. And it's managed by, you know, people that know what they're doing. And there's a lot of people there that still are in it like myself and Brian and a lot of people that do it for the love of it too. So it's, it's, there's a lot of love there too. And I think that's why we are different. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of geeks and collectors that, that work every day at Funko. It's growing, growing, growing every year. And this Brian, you know, like we still stay in contact, but he's just kicking ass, you know, just like coming up with new ideas and he's just throwing darts and, and then he and then he hits the bullseye with pop. Yeah. You know, that's really the the truth. He hits the bullseye. But I mean, when I talk about the whole dart thrower metaphor analogy or whatever, he is the ultimate. He he has a, such a short memory. Like if he has anything that doesn't even hit the board, he doesn't even remember it. Really? Yeah, and that that is probably one of the things I really admire about him. And then when he hits the bullseye, then he knows how to maximize hmm. and wait so his is he like the ceo now yeah okay and what brian what mariotti okay and he, so after, he's the main guy after cool. 10 years you go off you do this t-shirt thing then what at some point obviously you come back to funko what happens well i had started different little things like i started some little company um that made paper craft and stuff and he bought it Brian did? Yeah, he bought it. But <laughs> well, he just keeps on buying every single thing that you do. I like it. And um, well, I would come up with little ideas. But again, I look back on it now and I think, you know, I'm really good at the idea mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and maybe the um, visionary kind of thing or at least OK at it. And But he's really good at seeing that and then making it 
you know, really a complete package product. Yeah. Those people like make me want to cry with happiness. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a very special kind of person that can like bring an idea into like the actual real physical world. So, I mean, you dabble with a couple of other products, but then what's the one that ultimately brings you back into Funko? So I started while I met this apparel thing, I started thinking, well, I kind of know about this apparel thing. Why don't I start an apparel thing? Okay. So on the side, I kind of do this kind of dorky thing I call Flop House, and I start it with a really good friend, Diego Estelano. Yeah. So we do this thing, and we're having a, a heck of a time. We call it Flop House. Did cool. I did I just say yeah, that? Yeah, you said that. Flop uh, House. Sounds okay, cool. so we do this thing. We're having a blast. We're getting some licenses, and we think, well, we got to have a niche. So all of our stuff is either Japanese or Spanish. So it's like the, <laughs> it's like it's like the character that you know, like it, let's say it's the tricks bunny or oh, Sam the I tuna like that. Okay. and and then you have a Sam the tuna shirt, but then it's all written in Japanese instead of what you're used to, which is English. I love that. You know the character and you're like, oh, this is cool. This seems like I couldn't get this. Yeah. I mean, we say this in 2021 where you see it everywhere now. Yeah. But like we're talking 10 years ago, right? Maybe. Yeah. And, like, and, like, yeah, about yeah. eight years ago. But that's when you didn't see it. You didn't see it at all. In Diego, uh, th people really didn't see it in Spanish that much. I mean, the Japanese thing, you know, the Japanese did the 1950s thing better than the, than the Americans <laughs> did, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, as far as having great mascots and right. great typography, mm. great right. layout, great color. So those are all things that Diego and I were, were both interested in. And sure. So he was just freaking a natural man. This, this he, kid, he's awesome. this kid was amazing. And he, he can't, again, here's a guy came to me, wanted a job when I was with this other company. And he literally said, hey, you know, I'll just take anything. Really? Yeah. yeah and so I was like, hey, you know, I always look for attitude. That's because mm -hmm. he was working with me at the time. And he was like, get me out of here. I'll <laughs> oh, take anything. The yeah. I'll do I, I don't know. One of your jobs, and I wanted to make sure I brought this up, is one of your jobs is at Comic-Con, at San Diego Comic-Con, which is huge, obviously, in the world. Uh, you throw this amazing event called Fun Days, Funko Fun Days, right? And you are completely and utterly in charge of it. Yeah, obviously. I have a killer staff. Of course. I mean, you can't do anything without really good sure. people. So, But yeah, Funko Fun Days is, is something that we started doing earlier on, early on, and then we brought it back when I came back to, to a level where it's a real evening. It's an experience you most likely will never forget. It's full of celebrities. Mm -hmm. It's full of fun. It's It's... It's nonstop. Well, you've worked it. You yeah. know, you know well, what I'm is, talking about. This is one of the events that I did with you. And I mean, obviously, I'm so grateful that you included me uh, because one year I was the handler for famous people because you were like, hey, we don't want to treat famous people like a bunch of idiots. So I'm going to put you in charge of this. And I was in charge of um, David, things, David right? Harbour. Yeah, that's how you say his last name, I think. Charlie Tuna um, and <laughs> David Harbour from. Uh, Oh Stranger, things. Stranger Things. Who's married to Lily Allen, by the way. Yes. Who is so cool and And he awesome. was really awesome. Like the, that's like the best he couple was super I can cool. imagine. I, I mean, I got him so many bags of Gardettos. It's ridiculous. What's Gardettos? Those little cracker <gasps> like, mix. He whatever. likes that. No, I'm yeah. just saying. He likes saying. that and uh, Lily Allen. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I didn't. I, and then. Uh, and then I would walk them out to the stage and then whatever. But the big one, the big one for me was when I had to do security detail for uh, a, a big secret person. <gasps> And uh, I don't think I ever even told you the story, it. but uh, I was security for Mark Hamill from Star Wars. I know oh, I yeah. told you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But what I didn't tell you is that one point I went in and I was filling snacks up 
And I said, does anyone need anything? And then Mark turns and he goes, you know, he's got that grady voice. And he's like, I could really go for a coffee. And I'm like, how would you like it? And he tells me, I'm like, I'll be right back. And I ran down, I went, went to the Starbucks. I'm in a hotel. I run across the street to a Starbucks. I order the coffee that he wants. I take it back to him. And I knock on the door, hoping that I could hand Mark Hamill his <laughs> coffee. And the door creaks open. And it's like his agent. She's like, thanks. Oh, and close the man. door. I'm like, so <laughs> anyway, throughout the night, we walk him out and everything. And he's a really nice guy. A lot shorter and smaller than I thought yeah, he would be. Yeah, he's teeny He's so tiny. And he has his family all, all around. Always, the entourage. Always. Yeah, yeah. So, but after the event, uh, every, he had already left. And I was getting ready to leave. And I went into the room. And I was like, I'm going to go in there. And lo and behold, that coffee cup was sitting there. I swiped it. I you took did? it. I do. I have it down on my tiki really? bar. Really? Yeah, I do. Wow. Just in case I ever need the DNA, I can swab it and make a clone. And maybe Funko yeah. can sell it. Yeah. So it. I have I have the Starbucks cup that says I think it says Mark on it. That's funny. I feel like <laughs> we are we had a he had a street naming here in San Diego. Oh yeah, he did. And we went to it, and I feel for him in some way because I feel like he has the reputation of being so nice and he was so nice, but he invited like all of us back to a firehouse, like a fire station uh, for yeah. all to hang out. And you can just tell like, like we all went and he talked to myself and my Jack and everyone. But like, I feel like he's so nice, but almost to his detriment. Cause it was yeah. almost like, you can tell he wanted to leave, uh -huh. but everyone was But he just can't, gathered. his right? whole life yeah, is based yeah, yeah. on like people want to know him. Yeah. And he had a cute dog. And I remember like talking to his daughter. I'm like, he wants to go home. Like, let's, let's <laughs> not like, why oh, do I know too much about his dog? So that brings up a, a, yeah. a good question is, uh, who is your number one top person that you've ever met famous that you're like, Oh, this is the ultimate. Who's your celebrity crush? <laughs> oh, I think that's easy. That's Cassandra Peterson. Mm. You know, Elvira. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I oh mean, my gosh. We, we're, I would consider her a pretty good friend. Oh, that is so freaking cool. Yeah. She's just witty, smart, fun to be around, and just a genuinely just wonderful oh human. Oh, my God. I want to cry. Lover. We need, like, more Elvira in our lives. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's do. a once in a lifetime, I feel. Because oh my gosh. I remember growing up and seeing that and being like, this person scares me and it, and it makes me feel funny all at the same time. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I was that just like, so cool. I was so young. I was, you know, especially she come out in the seventies. She's see, you know, what's funny is I, I've noticed that all my favorite people are comedians. She was a comedian. first. Oh, oh. the ground is it groundlings. Yeah. Oh, groundlings yeah. She's groundlings. And that was just like her character. Yeah, so I mean, she's number one. Oh my you know, gosh! Some of my other favorite people I've met are like Joe Coy. Uh -huh, yeah. Uh huh. Um, That's a modern comedian. And he's just a very positive, a very nice, very upbeat person. Um, God, there's just there's just been so many. You know, it's funny, Kevin Smith. The thing about Kevin Smith that I noticed, he's so genuine with the fans. I learned a lot yeah. watching him, the way he treats fans. First of all, I always feel like so like blessed or like fortunate or just damn lucky to be where I'm at. Yeah. You know, with that one point nine GPA. Uh -huh. yeah. And and I had a lot 
lot of shitty jobs, by the way. I remember being fired and told I wasn't Jiffy car wash material. <laughs> I actually remember those exact words. I'm sorry, really? you're just not Jiffy car wash material. Are you kidding? I mean, that's the whole. <laughs> Adam Carolla has the whole. He wrote a book called Not Taco Bell Material. Oh, really? Because, yeah. Oh, Adam, I didn't know. That. Adam Carolla got fired from Taco Bell, and that he's like, he's my favorite, and that's how I know about Joe Coy, too. But, like, yeah, they told him, they fired him from Taco Bell and said, like, you're not Taco Bell material. And he wrote a whole fucking book about that. And so that's like, it's so funny how we. If you like believed in that, that may have shrunk you down to like not follow your dreams. That's why it's so important for like people not to believe. Well, in no, but he'd rejection. already he'd already seen his grandfather kick in a yeah, trash but we can. Need he, that. He, he was like, no, I'm going to uh, own Jiffy Lube. Another thing that grandpa <laughs> taught me yeah. is he would throw me grounders, you know, like because yeah. he's trying to teach me how to be a shortstop in baseball. And one time I'd miss the grounder, go through my legs and I'd start. And I remember walking back to go get the ball. Right. Yeah. Next thing I felt was his freaking shoe up my ass. <laughs> as hard as as hard as he could. I'm not even kidding. He goes, "You hustle." He goes, "It's not you didn't it's you're everybody's going to miss the ball, but you freaking hustle after that oh, ball." Oh, I love your grandpa. No, his grandpa abused him. That's we abuse. That. We need more of that. That's abuse. Otherwise, he's going to say, "Yeah, I'm not Jiffy Lou material." Okay. Uh, no, whatever. I'm not. Okay, listen, and I'm not I'm not trying to say like We need oh, more abuse. I'm not trying to say like Kids don't need a good talking to. Uh, I just feel like, you know, grandpa kicked the shit out of he, Mike. Everyone needs a foot up their asshole. Oh, my God. But, but I think that did teach me to always hustle. Do you feel feel like there's any time that that uh, that tendency to be competitive is negative for you? Um, The truth of it is, is sometimes, you know, when you're trying so hard to prove, you know, that you want to you want to win. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Other things are going to suffer. Mm hmm. I wanted you to talk about this new project you're working on, which is the Hot Smack. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a whole new thing that you've taken on outside of Funko. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? So there's this next week, actually, by the way, mm. Elvira Hot Smack Hot Sauce will be available. Oh, my is gosh. Actually, I don't even know if I'm supposed to announce that yet. This is a little side thing I started called Hot Smack Hot Sauce. <laughs> and so Elvira is our first licensed entity. But here's the good thing. The proceeds is going to go to the Baja Scholarship Foundation in Mexico. And so that's a really neat. What does that do? So there's a a lot of kids that showed exceptional aptitude. They didn't have the 1.9 that I had. Hmm. But unfortunately, for one reason or another, they were going to drop out or did drop out of school. And that's a real shame because they they were geniuses. But they've got to help their families or get a job. That, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I've seen this. This is what I like about being involved with this organization because I've seen it firsthand where a kid at 13, 14, 15, 16 had to drop out of school. This organization basically finances, if you will, them to stay in school. Everything from school uniforms to mm. books to even literally cab rides to oh. get to school because that's transportation's a bigger issue than you would think just getting to school and so subsidizing the amount of money that they would have gotten from you know being a dishwasher or whatever it might have been that they had to take at a factory or whatever to keep them in school and 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 these kids and i sponsor a couple of students myself but um i've been a part of some really neat moments man to see this baja scholarship foundation and you know i it's just it that's rewarding that's cool. And yeah. the hot sauce goes to benefit that? Yeah. Cool. We were it we were doing a, pro, a a portion of the proceeds kind of thing, but you know, 
I've done well enough. Mm-hmm. I've got enough, you know, and, and, and I've been there before where I remember one time, Brian, I think it was 30 computers, kids that didn't even have a book or a pencil. Yeah. Got a new computer one day. Yeah. And that was like seeing these kids for me. I don't even want to go to school, but I was a kid, right? Right. I, 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 if someone wanted to, you know, I'll trade with you. <laughs> you go to school. I'll I hear stay these home. kids that just want the ability to go to school because I think they're not only are they the smart, they're smart, but they they understand the value and mm. what an education can do for them mm. in so Mexico. I think you're winning, Mike. I really do. Really? Mind. Yeah. So grandpa would be proud. I think grandpa would be very <laughs> proud. Honestly, like I think for real, having like friends and yeah. being able to give back to other people and also like following your creativity, I feel like to me that's a win. Well, I yeah. want to mention the the hot smack again because you put this thing together. So you did this hot sauce idea, but you're kind of using the same uh, thought process in getting licensed people. I think that's your plan, right? You're getting Elvira. You might get other people coming down the line that you've met with in the past. And that that's cool. It's like maybe people don't need hot sauce so much, but like knowing that it goes to a yeah. good cause and and collecting it in the sense of like, oh, I love this person, this character. I'm going to get a hot sauce, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, um, again, you know, you find these genuine, good hearted people that are really start with the with their friends, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. like Cassandra's a friend of mine. That's so, so cool. And she. she I could tell you stuff that she's done even for Baja Foundation. When she she never wants credit for anything, but one time she took some of her limited edition pops that Funko had had, and she donated. I think it was forty thousand dollars to Baja Aww. Scholarship wow. Foundation from the from her sale of the things. Wow. She's like a quiet contributor. She's awesome, and you know that she. I hate to say this. I mean, her like, boobs, I know. no, no. She's oh. a smoke show still. She's gorgeous. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Does she live in? I feel Southern like she California? hasn't aged yeah. a day. Oh. She lives in Hollywood. She's honestly, she's more beautiful without the makeup and the wig. And yeah, I mean, she's she's a wonderful, funny. I mean, I can't say enough good stuff. And and it's she's cool. Is there anything else you'd like to say to people? What would it be at this at this moment? I guess. I would say if you don't really know, like you don't really believe in yourself sometimes, Mm -hmm. or you don't really know what you want, you got to kind of start somewhere. Maybe you make lists. Maybe you, like for me, I like to make a lot of lists and kind of try to get down to like, like what is my passions? What do I really want to do? What, like, like what are my strengths? Like, because, you know, it sounds cliche, but, but man, you gotta follow that stuff because mm-hmm. it, because if you don't, yeah, you're shortchanging yourself. If you just go take a job just to get that car to get to that job, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, you're just kind of eating your own tail. Yeah, and so many people get caught up in the river of life, man. They they just get caught up, and before they know it, they're they're paying on that vacation and on that car, and then they're a slave to that credit card bill and. I don't know. Maybe I don't even know what I'm talking about here. But all I'm saying <laughs> is, you got to follow. You got to. You got to throw those darts, man. You got to do, even if it means failure. And sometimes, just doing something small. Yeah. I mean, the smallest of small things. So you go, okay, I did it. I, I wanted to lose weight, and I walked around the block. I did it. Okay. Now I'm gonna walk around the block twice. Now I'm gonna run around the block once. Whatever that is, I I don't, I don't know if that's a good analogy or metaphor but whatever you want to do do it's amazing if you do a lot of little little things in 30 days 
it's like, wow, that's one big thing. Yeah. Yeah, because we've had people write in before who have to have, you know, a nine to five job just to basically hold down the fort, but they're pursuing something else. And same thing where it's like when you come home at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. instead of like watching a Netflix movie, you can do something in 10 minutes that will move you forward. Yeah. We've had people write in before that feel frustrated that they want to continue their passions, but they have to somehow, you know, juggle their rent or they have kids or, you know, that kind of feeling. I think you struck it up earlier when you said like one of those roadblocks is like I don't have enough time. Right. I think have enough time, don't have enough money, don't have the right back. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of people will though, say, yeah. like, I don't have the time. I'm already I just don't have the time. It's like, yeah, but then there's that single mom who's yeah. going to law school at night and she's making it work because she's got this goal. Right. And that's what I have. To, I, I always have to remember that. It's like you have the time. You just get up even a half like hour Saturday early. At 8 yeah, or you something, do it, yeah. whatever it is. Like you said, minutes a day. Yeah. Even if you said, look, you got to get got to start like with me i start with anger <laughs> i'm gonna get really pissed off because you seem so not angry though it's so i know funny. but but oh, i, no, I use know. it as you the motivating know. factor of like i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that i'm gonna spend that 30 days or 30 mm-hmm. minutes every day on this one thing that i want you know so so yeah like like here's the other thing too be your own number one draft pick yeah you know like like people i know people get so caught up in their favorite team. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I got to watch the team tonight. My favorite player is playing. Why don't you be your own favorite player? Why don't you put your own name on the back of your jersey? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, 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 why don't you be a fan of yourself? Yeah, I love that. If you, if you take the same amount of money and time and effort and yeah. root for yourself, like that you spend on your favorite team. Yeah. Think about that. Oh my gosh. You're talking to Meryl right now. Mine would be girl. No, I've already. I, I, I know. Too much. People need me to calm down. Mine is girl groups. I love like Fifth Harmony. And, you know, yeah. I fucking love girl groups so much. But if I like rooted for them or for myself the way I wrote. Yeah. Camila Cabello. I hear that. You oh like baby God. metal? Yes. Baby metal? Really? Yeah. We did the oh. pops. Oh, really? We did, we did some shirts. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's awesome. I love all that stuff. We love you, man. Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks. You know, I bring a lot of people on here as my friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you not so much. You don't do it, but I do. Oh I brought a lot of people on. And, and and what do you feel about Mike? Just first gut instinct. He's eccentric. For sure. That's my first feeling For sure. about him. In fact, I'm going to tell this story. I, I was going to tell him in person, but I didn't. So I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Uh, there's a show, Mad Men. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yes. And in the show, uh, Don Draper, the main character, at some point in his career, uh, bumps into this eccentric guy who ends up, you know, they end up having a conversation. And at the end of the conversation, you realize this person is uh, Conrad Hilton, who just so happens to be the owner of all Hilton hotels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yep. And, you know, he calls Don Draper in all hours of the night with ideas <laughs> and always like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I have to tell you, like, Mike Becker is my Conrad Hilton. Yeah. He'll call me and he'll ask me questions. We'll talk. We'll take walks in the middle of nowhere. We have great conversation. We just, it's this weird thing. I it's love this weird that. thing. He's definitely that. He is that eccentric guy. And yeah. I love him for that. I love him for that too. I thought he was super cool. And I also appreciated his advice for 
entrepreneurs. And after we finished up, you know, we always talk with the, the guests a little of course, bit. Yes. And you were in the restroom. Sure. And him and I, this is the first time we've met. Of course, I've heard a lot about Mike. He sure. doesn't know anything about me yet. But we uh, we were talking a little bit and he brought up like this is, I'm just going to tell it here because we all need to know what happens. Sure. He brought up like why not not why you get hot girls, but like um, why I get hot girls. Yeah. Or why he does. No, why you do. Yeah. He's he, married. He, yeah, he's, he's happily married to a beautiful. Oh, hot he was girl. brought up the fact that why, like like as a question, like why does he get hot girls? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And then we talked about like what number on the scale you'd be and like your confidence and which is so funny because also he, he didn't know that before this you and I had had a talk about you know just like juicing up our yeah. confidence blah, blah, yeah. blah, all that kind of stuff sure. and I mean he he's got your back for sure but I also think too he's he was I don't want to say he was questioning why you get all the hotties but I'm just gonna say well, this is not we, the time to bonded. question me this is yeah. not the time because That's what I'm, I kind of said I said not today not, not today, today. Not I'm at a low yeah. point right now I'm just not feeling great I'm not just I don't know I'm at a it's a weird time in the world. And yeah. so we'll do a whole other separate. Episode yeah, I, I know. Cause when I walked out, I, I remember him saying like, yeah, a seven. And I was like, yeah. what are they talking about? <laughs> a seven out of 10 though is a lot. He was saying that my personality is a 10. Your personality is a nine. My, oh, nine. Yeah, nine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. You're really helping. Uh, my, my looks are a seven. Uh-huh. And what was the other one? Um, it added up to a third or creativity. No, it added or up to a, yeah, uh, you added up to a twenty six out of thirty, which, we all, which out is 30. fantastic to me. That's not horrible. But I told him that you only go for the hotties, so it's like you're only scoring hotties because you also like yeah. you. There's not a lot of. Room. I feel so bad for everyone I ever dated because they didn't go for the hottie. They went for a seven. They went for the naughty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, um, I think that was a funny. We bonded over. Yeah. Your lack of. I appreciate that, Meryl. I'm glad that you guys bonded. <laughs> yeah, we did. All said and done, I'm really happy that uh, you got to meet Mike. And so cool. You know, he he's he's a great guy. He is. Um, I think he. It's so funny that he didn't even neither of us. And I guess this is something that people can look up on their own. But just how big and expansive Funco is now, with almost having a hand in like every major pop culture thing. Yeah, we didn't really get into it, but they have licenses for almost every major. I mean, honestly, every property mm-hmm. out there and. Uh, currently, they're making almost $1 billion Damn. a year uh, making toys based on pop culture figures. That seems fucking insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's that's crazy. That's crazy. So good for them. Good for him, you know, mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a good guy to know. So uh, we we appreciate him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I'm acting like, like, did he die or something? Yeah, he was a great man. He was a great man. He was was the, he really a great man? Though? It was the best of days. Man. It was the worst of days. Um, No. Thank you for lining that up. Oh, my God. Yes. And we hope that you guys uh, enjoyed that as well. Yes. Uh, and, and I guess until next time, we love you. We love you. Why? I'm just joking. This episode of Can't Buy a Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show.